Steven Gerrard's secret teacher, Plymouth gained some new fans and a robbery in West London. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Thursday, the 13th of May. I'm Jules Breach. I'm Andy Russell. And I'm Luke Moore. Welcome along, ladies and gents. It's a Thursday, nearly at the weekend, although, as I've just pointed out, it's the 13th. So if anything bad happens to you today, guys, Mrs. Yeah. Superstitious over here. If anything is... bad happens to you today, take responsibility as much as you can. <laughs> and if it's not your fault, <laughs> we, you have our sympathies. If it's not your fault, blame it on the fact it's the 13th. So well, if no one else is superstitious as me? I, I think you could be right, because I'm not normally superstitious, but something bad has already happened to me this morning. What? I was listening to the Luke and Pete show nice. on the way in. And with uh, so on brand, isn't no, it? No spoilers to this contract. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers, but can I just take issue with you, Luke Aaron Moore? Of Full you, name. you have the big three yeah. of Only Fools and Horses, and yes, I am an Only Fools and Horses completist, apart from the shit ones at the end. Yeah, uh, you have the big three as Dell. Rodney and Uncle Albert. Yeah, it's a generational thing, Andy. You're quite a bit older than me. You're quite a bit older than me. Andy's gone early in the swearing. So for those who are unaware, (laughs) Pete hates Only Fools and Horses. He's he's got got a pathological (laughs) hatred for it. So for his birthday, we bought him a load of um, Only Fools and Horses figurines and an Only Fools and Horses Monopoly. Because he also hates bobbleheads, right? (laughs) Yeah, and I made him open it on the show and he was so underwhelmed. It was brilliant. Um, but I, I am a, I am an Uncle Albert man. And what I would say as well, going back to Jules's point about superstition, is I'm sure there is something in it. I'm sure it's nothing, you know, I'm not going to take issue with it. I am going to take issue with you saying that it might be the reason that you forgot to eat your cereal bar on the way in this morning, <laughs> because that is mental. I did not say that. That Was, was that you, Andy, that suggested that? Someone yes. else suggested yeah. that yes, that's the was. reason I forgot my cereal bar. But anyway, <laughs> I'll eat it on the way home. Chelsea didn't have their cereal bars last no, night, No, my God. What? Ha- well, actually, I'd say that they, they did. They were just very unlucky. What on earth happened last? I think it was a bit of a robbery. I do think Arsenal defended well, but when you see stats like they were at the end of the game, they had 19 shots, Chelsea, mm. in comparison to Arsenal's five. They had mm. 68% possession in comparison to Arsenal's 32%. And on top of that, their XG was something like 2.97 in comparison to like 0.0 for Arsenal. So basically, Chelsea fans, you now know what it's like to be a Brighton fan. <laughs> Welcome. Now Come on you in. know how I feel. The water is tepid. Yeah. Come on in. It's so, frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. Is, is Olivier Giroud still the dream solution to your problems next season? <laughs> that would be. It. I'd love to see that, by the way. I would absolutely love to I'd see I'd love him. to see Olivier Giroud at Brighton. Absolutely. Yeah. He'd put a few of them away, wouldn't he? For sure. You'd think so. I thought it was an interesting game as far as that if you took a step or two back and tried to view it as objectively as you can, you probably were thinking, yeah, this, this season's been going on for way too long now. This is like this is, this is is getting to the point where it might be cruelty. Felt to, end of season. Yeah, it? it was, yeah, it was it really a really strange tempo. Um, I, I, um, I thought Thomas Partey did well. But that might be because the tempo was so slow that he was like, this is all right. I could do this. Yeah. No, the, the re- I think Jules has hit the nail on the head. The reason Thomas Partey looked amazing is because Arsenal would be an Atletico. <laughs> right, okay, yeah. But basically, I think that so was... So it's like a, putting an old jumper on for him. Huge part of it, yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. Yeah, Curl- curling up on the sofa with, um, with with some ice cream and Bridget Jones's diary. I think that was uh, <laughs> very much what he was doing. Yeah. But no, I think you're right as well with... The, the chances that Chelsea had particularly towards the end and the best chances they 
created were desperation stakes chances near, near the end. And that, that Leno save from, from Zuma was absolutely fantastic. Oh, and I, 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 I still can't work out how the, how the follow-up didn't really no. go in. But it did feel a little bit, you know, they didn't create a lot of chances of quality throughout. And Tuchel talked about it afterwards, didn't he? Where he talked about the, the flatness, didn't he? And he, he, he talked about the lack of intensity was the word he used, wasn't it? Mm. And it did feel a little bit like that, I felt. And, uh, you know, he kind of blamed himself for, it was for unfortunate picking, picking the wrong team. But, unfortunately, but time enough to carry that deep dive and how great they were at like, <laughs> intensity, intensity <laughs> and pressing. And stuff. But you've, you've, you've got to rest players at, at some point. You know, it's, it's just it's just reality. It, You've got to change your team at some point. I found True. it quite amusing that before the game, um, Patrick Davison, who was working for Sky, said to him, you know, seven changes to your side tonight, Thomas. And he went, is it seven? He didn't realise he'd <laughs> yeah. made that many changes. He said afterwards, didn't he, that he, he thinks he made a few mistakes and all the rest of it, yeah. which, which was a thinly veiled dig at his players, which I, like, I enjoyed. I've made a few mistakes, but it sounds ostensibly like he's professing to making the mistake. But what he's actually saying is, uh, the, players, the, the players mistake. let me down. Yeah, <laughs> the players let me down. And I have to say, and we can't go any further without mentioning this, quite simply, the shittest goal to ever decide a top-level Premier League game I've ever seen. Everything about it was shit, to the point so where bad. Emil Smith-Rowe almost missed it. Yeah. <laughs> he almost missed it. That was the best it. bit about it, wasn't yeah. it? It and, was and, so scruffy. And Emil, Emil Smith-Rowe, who, who gives quite a good post-match interview, he was asked by the interviewer, oh, is that one in the eye for Chelsea who let you go as a kid? And it was like he was ashamed of the goal. <laughs> he was like, I'm never, I'm never going to look at that goal again. I'm never going to rewatch it. I'm embarrassed. I'm just delighted it went in. It was it was crazy the passage of play that led to it, and it was crazy how poor the finish was. I was I was actually really excited that you were in today, Luke, because I know how much you love Kepper, and mm. I know how much that you would have loved to talk about this goal. Yeah, but he was yeah. he was probably the least blameless person <laughs> in that know. absolute shambles. No, the of most a, blameless of a goal. person, not the, the, most, least the blameless most blameless person. person. Yeah. What the, the look at the pass. The least oh, sorry. Blameless. You've, you've done double negatives and you've yeah, confused that's us. Confused if, me. If you say what most you mean, blameless. Least blameless? Most blameless. Oh, least, yeah, least to blame. Least yeah, to blame. Thank you. Right. That's what I was getting right. at. Right. That's what I was getting at. Oh, <laughs> you confused yourself. Oh, it can't be Andy making the mistake because he knows about football. <laughs> Fuck off, Brassel. You know what you've done to us here. Outrageous by him, Jules. Look, I think, I think I'm, I'm, very, I'm yeah. very impressed that you've thought it through when it's something to do with Kepa, yeah. which is normally like <laughs> anger central. Tuchel was fuming about that as well, but he was said, oh, you've got... A... What, that you have a go at Kepa? <laughs> no, no, that you said... I, you've I think got... he's fine with that. <laughs> you've got to pass the ball to his right foot. That's what he said. Yes. <laughs> but it was the whole thing was just abysmally bad. And it was just a really sad indictment of like the stage of the season we're now at. I mean, the fact that, and I'm going to come on to this later, but the fact that Man United are playing again tonight yeah, is just insane. It is mad. Um, and even Klopp said, I mean, you're not going to win any fans in Liverpool for kind of defending or being symp- symp- showing sympathy towards Manchester United. But he said it's criminal, the mm. schedule United have got. And he's absolutely right. So, But it used to happen in like cup final week in like the late 80s and early 90s. What, four games at that intensity? I re- well, maybe in not. One week. Maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. not at the same intensity. But I I remember Wimbledon's Cup final week playing Monday Wednesday, yeah, like a lot of games in that week. Anyway. Sure, sure. But you you Four you look you look at the um the uh, I'm not just trying to disrespect anyone playing football back then, but the, yeah, the level of of athleticism is very it's very very low. It's very low, and like you you can't say that they're. The, the, the amount of scrutiny, the amount of attention, the amount of just demands on players. No, you're absolutely right. Like and that. Um, that will be emphatically proved in this summer's Euros, I suspect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It might be a goal fest because of that. Yeah. It could be a goal fest. But anyway, I, I, I think it was a weird game. I thought it was exactly the kind of game that the less um, 
less swept up Arsenal fans will be happy with because it'll paper over a few cracks, but it shouldn't because you're right, um, Jules. Arsenal, yeah, they, they kind of rode their luck in a big way. 100%. Going back to the goal itself as well, um, what do you think Jorginho will be feeling like today, Andy? Because he was obviously at fault for that poor back pass and then had the chance to score what would have been an equaliser right at the end as well, and he sort of fluffed that as well. Yeah, uh, the best bit was not the miss, but the anger mm. that immediately followed, followed <laughs> it when he took it out on the advertising holding. So I think we know how he's going to be he's going to be feeling. But, you know, if the team overall plays a little bit better, creates a few more good chances, takes a few of those chances, it's not even a discussion. You, you know, it's one of my pet hates, how we like look at the result and work backwards to justify it. Yeah. I think it, this is one of those occasions. Okay, Chelsea weren't fantastic, but you're you're right to frame it as like a you know Arsenal masterclass of organisation and defending. You know they stuck in, but that's about well, it. They did, really. they, they, that's that's an interesting point because they did the minimum you'd expect from a team to do, right? Yes. And what I found watching the game is it felt to me in retrospect that Chelsea came became quite disheartened at the early chances they didn't take. And then to get sucker punched like they did, it felt a bit like a perfect storm for their morale. And um, yeah, it just became one of those games for them. But I, I didn't think that um, I didn't think Arsenal were that great or anything. I think there's all sorts going on at Arsenal, which yeah. is very interesting and also very concerning if you're an Arsenal fan. You know, this idea that you know there's got a lot of inexperience behind Arteta. Arteta's given an opportunity to bring in a couple of experienced coaches to help him, and he brings in two really green ones to kind of because he seems it seems to me like he wants to further his own power base rather than actually take on board some kind of experience. Well, that's stuff. been quite a huge theme, actually, of yeah. his, his spell in charge of Arsenal yeah. so far, isn't it? And he and says weird stuff in interviews. He gets away with a lot in interviews. What do you mean? He just, he just, he, I mean, the thing he said last week when they got knocked out of the Europa League that they deserved to go through was mad, <laughs> absolutely yeah. mad. And he also said um, recently, it might have even been last night, he said, um, the media tried to put things on me I never said and that he claimed that nothing was broken at Arsenal. It's just... I understand it's a difficult thing to navigate because you don't want to be the most negative manager around because you get criticised for that as well. But he doesn't seem to have a huge amount of skill in navigating how the media operate, which I think is a really important part of well, being a manager these days. Also, he's under enormous pressure and, and pressure that for a first job, I understand he's been the assistant for Pep Guardiola at Manchester City, but this is a massive first job at a really difficult time. It's not like taking over Arsenal three years ago. Um, it's a time of huge structural upheaval. And now he's expected as quite an inexperienced, not just coach. The fact that he's got the title of manager, I think is is quite unusual. And I think shows a bit of lack of leadership. And it up, changed. Up, it upstairs. changed, didn't it? Yeah, it, it changed big time. And he's got a lot more power than, funnily enough, a lot more experienced coaches in there. And, you know, Daryl Curry did that interview with him recently, didn't he? After the exit from the Europa League, where, in which he said, oh, we're going to, we're going to, we realise there are problems and we're going to go out and spend money this summer. If I'm an Arsenal fan, I'm not sure I completely trust Arteta to be spending that money. And when you look at their sp their spending in terms of contracts, when you look at Ozil, Aubameyang, Willian, am I really thinking like splashing a few quid is going to change it? No, I know what you mean. I also think there's a, there's a huge rebuilding job there for sure so him Definitely. saying that at the weekend and then saying nothing is broken last night it's kind of mixed messages there's talk that David Luiz William Hector Bellerin Leno who's not really been there that long and Granit Xhaka may all leave um, if I was an Arsenal fan I'd be thinking great good But <laughs> if, not... if I was an Arsenal fan I'd be thinking who's going to take some of them well, that's that's another discussion. <laughs> yeah. But I was also going to, just going to say that if those players do move on, that's only half the story. What you've got to do is bring 
bring players through to replace them. And and maybe that's not the end of the world because actually a lot of Arsenal's younger players have shown themselves to have quite a lot to offer. So that might be okay. You're right about the thing. It's the age-old Premier League thing, isn't it, Andy, where players are on such big wages. Mm. Particularly Even before COVID hit, it was hard to offload them because other leagues couldn't really compete. I mean, that that is the problem, you know, when we talk about the Super League and the the, the panic of the rollout of the Super League. I think wages are a huge part of that because you're lumbered with like stuff that you can't get rid of. Yeah. I think last season as well, that was there was so much talk about Aubameyang and so much pressure from the fans for Arsenal to sort out Aubameyang's contract. And then this season has been just really strange for him. I think the situation around Aubameyang is probably the most curious thing for me at Arsenal at the moment because because of all of that pressure from the fans last year and from everyone that everyone wanted Aubameyang to sign that new deal, it gets over the line. And then we've not really seen anywhere near the best of Aubameyang this season. And I know he's had a lot going on personally as well. So that may have affected the, the way the season has gone for him. But again, when he gets taken off last night, he just doesn't look very happy. And mm. just a bit of a curious you, situation. With well, you kind of feel like he's got more power than Arteta, yeah. don't you? I, I think that's a massive issue. Um, the wages, because he knows he's untouchable, really, uh, is, is, is a big issue. Now, like you, Jules, I do have sympathy for some of the stuff he's, he's gone through. Mm. And I think we have to give him next season as as well because one he, he won't be going anywhere he'll still be an Arsenal player next season and two because I think once you're over 30 and you have an underwhelming season it's very easy to, for people to write you off and say he's not at it anymore but I, I would to look at it on the positive side I think you look at the way of Amiang finished last season for example I think what convinces you that you're all in on him and you want to spend to keep him is the fact that when he arrived at Arsenal, just like in the back bit of when he was at Dortmund, he didn't do anything apart from score goals. You know, that that in all-round industry had just disappeared from his game and he was just the, the fox in the box. He started to claw that back last season. He started to do more for the for the team. And if he can get back to that point again, then, then you're talking. Then he becomes of re- real value to Arsenal again. I just think that they they have they've fallen into the trap of of almost jealously jealously guarding what they see to be like really key assets, like doing and, what they did with Özil, basically. Yeah, and, and yeah. basically being so intent on getting to the end of the path they're on, like becoming obsessed with whether they can or not get them to sign a new deal, and not really thinking about whether it's the right thing or not. It's like the old Jeff Goldblum mm. in Jurassic Park, Jules. <laughs> they spent so much time thinking about whether they could, didn't stop to think about whether they should. You know, well, I mean... Barriers very much, you know, the velociraptor of of Arsenal. And I, I also wanted to... Spare so is that Arteta Jeff Goldblum? No, because Arteta's him all in. Arteta's the... Arteta's like the uh, the scientist in the, um, so, so in, is, in the is, lab. In, in the movie, is Jeff Goldblum playing a Sven Mislintat? I'm Jeff Goldblum in this analogy. All <laughs> oh, right. Shall you're, I... <laughs> you're Jeff Goldblum in every analogy. <laughs> i tell you my Jurassic Park story. Go on. Went to the cinema to watch Jurassic Park. When How old I, were you? Uh, I can't remember, like maybe eight or yeah. something like that around then. And uh, at the end, when the titles came up, my cousins who I was with scared me and said, the dinosaur's going to get you. So I ran out the <laughs> cinema, tripped over, landed on my wrist and broke my wrist. Oh, oh no. I broke my wrist after watching Jurassic Park did, because I was so scared did, of the dinosaur. Did the dinosaur get you or not? No, 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 the dinosaur didn't get me. But guess what? It was on the 13th. Was no, it? it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> can, I, can I just spare a final word for Chelsea by saying that um, this happens a lot in the media. Everyone's got really carried away with the job Tuchel's doing. and um, But it might well be that, and maybe this isn't a problem for Chelsea fans, and, and time will tell, of course, and he's only new in the job. But it might well be, interestingly, 
that um, they finish the season with nothing anyway. I, I don't think that's going to be the case because <laughs> they have to win the last Ever two the to guarantee. Luke. Yeah, I'm four. just saying. Well, it, it, it makes saying. Chelsea versus Leicester absolutely it's massive huge. On Saturday, some com- yeah. some yeah. conflicting emotions. Oh, in the Premier League, that, in, you mean the Premier yeah, League game? Yeah. yeah. Some some conflicting emotions in the Lampard household. I would have thought. <laughs> who obviously loves Chelsea. But wouldn't like to see uh, Tuchel do that. Uh, one, do you reckon? I don't like, know. To, to be honest, like joking think... aside, I think <laughs> I don't. I don't. I think that whatever Sky try and tell you, I think the top four is probably settled now. You, you think? You I think, think he's probably settled. You too. think Lampard sat there in front of the telly in the cup final, going, "If Tammy doesn't score the winner, it doesn't count." He won't, he won't, yeah, he won't be. He's out of order picking Mount again. <laughs> he won't be sitting on the sofa. He's on some kind of exercise bike called running machine, just hammering it. Yeah, he's he's on his way to Crystal Palace. If uh, what's reported is true, apparently so. Yeah. He'll arrive for the interview just the right time. They'll think he's not going to be there, but he'll just arrive in the, in the, in the interview eighteen yard box at just the right time and get the job. What do you reckon? Is it a good fit? I mean, Roy, there's been a lot of reports that Roy Hodgson uh, was only going to. Um, see his contract out to the end of this season anyway and then he'd be leaving Crystal Palace it's a huge opportunity for whoever does go into Crystal Palace next if if there is going to be a new manager because they've got I think 12 players out of contract this summer yes and it's an I think it's a big opportunity because there's a there's a chance there for a manager to go in and actually start to build something new because we've talked before on Football Ramble about Crystal Palace being one of those teams where you don't really know what the fans kind of cheer on every season. Yes, they're probably likely to stay in the league. They never really look at too much threat of relegation, Mm. but are they good enough to push for European places? Well, hopefully a new manager, a bit of a project there come the summer and moving forward and Crystal Palace could start to look further up the table. I think it has to be about philosophy. God, that hurt me to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I think it has to be about philosophy really, doesn't it, Jules? Because I think you have to be realistic to expect them to challenge for Europe. I think is is too much. So if you're the fan of one of those teams who always finish, you know, if you're one of the in-betweeners, I suppose, um, th- there's got to be something more. And I think that's where you get to the point where however grateful you are for what Roy Hodgson's done, you get to a point where you're like, the football's unwatchable. And the rest of the league, because you're thinking, I guess, as a Palace fan, the rest of the league, because they don't watch us as closely as they watch Liverpool or United. They're just, oh, Roy's doing a great job keeping them up. They don't realise that we actually have to pay to watch this every every single week. So you're right. It is a big opportunity. It's also a big risk, especially for a coach like Lampard, who some would say was overpromoted in getting the Chelsea job, although in my opinion, he did a very, very good job in the first year. He's still an inexperienced coach. For him to go in there and try and reinvent the wheel is, especially with a load of, and, and rebuild the team, I think there's inherent risk in that and there's inherent risk to his reputation. It wouldn't be my first choice as a job if I was him for that reason. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think it's definitely a job that's that's fraught with danger. But on the on paper, it looks quite a nice fit because if I'm if I'm a um, Crystal Palace fan, I probably want to see my team look. For example, though, and the, I mean the one thing I would take issue with you say there about Hodgson is there's no real difference between what Hodgson was able to do with Fulham and what he could potentially do with Palace. If it, I mean, I know the, the landscape's changed quite a bit in the last mm. however many years, but realistically speaking, there's no real difference in size of club necessarily. So, And he was able to take them all the way to a European final. Now, Yeah, but the Premier League's totally different. It then. is different. I, th- I think, it is different. you know, the, the top part of the league is so much better set now. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Post Leicester. That's fair. But the, the point I was just going to go on to make was just that, so what am I looking for if I'm a Crystal Palace fan or a fan of the size of, of a club like Crystal Palace? I'd like him to see... Bring, I'm probably asking for a lot, but you want them to invest a lot in the local area because it's a pretty good hotbed of talent around that part of London. Um, you want them to see them bring like 
exciting young academy players through, sustain themselves in that way, maybe perhaps a little bit like Southampton have done. Players every week. Yeah, um, and um, and mm. um, and play play well, and and and, mm. and 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 I know it's a lot to ask, agreed. But, but there is a shelf life for the type of football that Hodgson does like to play, and what does actually go a little bit under the radar, and certainly has this season, is people will say, well, Palace are good away from home, um, they're good on the counter attack, and Hodgson gets them set up right. That's not that true. I mean, if you look at the defensive record of Crystal Palace this season, it's actually pretty poor. What he is good is targeting certain games, almost in the way that Benitez did yes. at Newcastle, and 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 keeps them safely in the Premier League for that reason. It brings on an almost existential crisis because you don't know what you should expect from your team. And it happened with Stoke. They 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 mm. rolled the dice with Pulis, got someone else in, and it went to shit for them. So you've got to be very careful what you wish for. Mm. And so, I, but I think Lampard will be a good fit. He's got good with young players. He's obviously a Londoner. Um, I think he could do a good job there. But I think if it, if the pressure came on him early in almost like a Frank de Boer kind of way. Got four games. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you'd wonder whether he had the wherewithal, the experience to navigate it. But that's that's where Jules's point comes in, I think. The fact that you've got a bit of a blank canvas. Mm. Whereas de Boer was trying to do something different with Allardyce and Pulis players, which was never going to work. Mm. Yeah, I think he'd probably quite enjoy that that challenge and, and that project as well. Well, we'll see what happens with that. A bit of news that we can bring you is um, the new Premier League TV deal. Uh, the Premier League have agreed to roll over its existing TV deal with broadcasters for a further three years. That means that basically how we've been watching Premier League football for the last three seasons will continue. Uh, so therefore, it'll be on the likes of Sky, BT Sport, Amazon and with the BBC. Uh, Andy, this a, this a good decision? Uh, yeah, I think anything in terms of stability, uh, leagues are going to snap your hand off at the moment. Um, there was a similar thing with the renewal of the Bundesliga contract, which was a year nearer its expiry. Um, so that that was a, a bit of an issue. Uh, that, that was sorted out last year. And they gave Sky Germany and uh, DAZN a very small discount on it. So they, they felt almost the status quo was good. And certainly from the, the BT statement, because the Premier League statement says it's on the same terms. The BT statement, I think it's quite interesting, says um, it, it says something about roughly similar terms in line with market conditions, which I think suggests the same, a slight discount. But if you're getting anywhere near what you're already getting in this environment, you've got to take it. You've mm -hmm. absolutely got to take it. And it, it gives it gives the club some sort of stability. Absolutely. All right. Uh, in a minute, we're going to be talking a bit about the Champions League final as we're hearing that it might be over in Portugal now. That means it's changing location for the final. Uh, we'll bring you a little bit more on that in a moment. But Andy, there's also a new episode of On the Continent available later today, isn't there? Uh, yeah, there is. And um, there's loads to talk about with uh, Atletico Madrid getting closer and closer and closer to La Liga. Juventus hanging on by their fingernails to their hopes of qualifying for the, the, the Champions League with Gigi Buffon playing a starring role in that of all people at 43 years old in the week that he announced that he's moving on. And of course, we'll be talking about Sporting Wee. winning the league in Portugal for the first time in and it's going to And it's going to feature Lars Sivertson, a.k.a. the one breathing down Jules Breach's neck in the fantasy <laughs> Premier League. So, Did you see him giving me a little bit yeah. of stick on Twitter? I could speak on behalf of everyone ago. listening, Ross. Like, come on, Lars. Oh, look. <laughs> look how bitter he is. That's all I've got left. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a triple game week for Manchester United at the moment. I'll have you know it's going okay for me. Okay. It's going okay. Still a couple game weeks left to go. Uh, all right, well, that... Uh, um, episode of On the Continent is out this afternoon on Football Ramble Presents, so make sure you check it out. We'll be back in a bit.
nutmeg, cinnamon and half a teaspoon of salt. And now the special bit is it's going to have quite a lot of booze. Where are you? <laughs> Let's be having you! Come on! Never gets old, does it? <laughs> she still maintains to this day that she was um, just tired. <laughs> not, 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 not boozy. So, you know, I, I think then... The... To be fair, I get like that when I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> we know that, drink as well. <laughs> the, the early 21st century speak for that when the Premier League was a little bit more professional. Saying you're tired but drunk <laughs> is a bit like when players turned up to training dishevelled, <laughs> <laughs> unshaven. <laughs> Great adjectives to use. Um, welcome along, guys. It's Jules, Andy and Luke here with you. And now it's time for this. How many people were involved in the making of that? I don't know. It's sent in by listeners, so you can't... I think it's one person with multiple personalities. Yeah. And I applaud all of those personalities. Mella T. Evans. Thank you very much for that jingle. Loved that one. Keep them coming in. Thank you. And thank you, Luke Jackson, who writes, I would like to add a bit more info to the egg smashing chat. In my family, we have always had a tournament like that described on last Friday's show at Easter. We often called it yarping. Yarping. My grandparents are from uh, Sunderland and always insisted it was a local tradition. I think it might have been brought over from the Scandinavian countries, hence the name. My granddad has a reputation of being a bit of a gamesman when it comes to yarping, often proffering only the very smallest surface area of egg to hit and coming away with the win (laughs) more often than not. That's the Thomas Tuchel approach. It is. And I looked up when I saw this email coming, I looked up uh, egg yarping. Um, and it, there's, there's like a world championship and everything. I didn't even know it ever existed. Really? When, when this first came in last Friday, we saw a, a couple of teams and I think the Ukrainian, the Ukrainian league doing it. I never really knew it existed, but it's a, it's a really big thing. And there's a world championship and everything. And I think in this country, it's particularly popular, as uh, Luke says there, up in the northeast of the country. So it's a we, whole new world. We might have to have a mini ramble championship I'd perhaps bang up for that Jules won't have the temperament for that she, <laughs> a couple of minutes in she'll be smashing eggs everywhere I'd be smashing one over fish <laughs> you would <laughs> just egging fish is that how it works <laughs> like Kate Mason's been practising yeah. you know oh yeah yeah Has very she? nice uh, we've got an email here from Matt Porter as well who says uh, hi guys as a listener from the United States I thought I'd pass on this interesting tidbit that may be worth investigating further three on three soccer tournaments I never tournaments. knew tidbit was spelt like that Oh, right. I thought it was Titbit. I think it can be spelled either, can't it? <laughs> can be spelled either. I don't know why. I mean, it says more about you than the it's word itself, Jules, I would say. I th- maybe it's been censored by the producers. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. I'm sorry. We've got Jules on. You've got to be whiter than white. Don't write tips. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so Matt says three on three soccer tournaments are very popular here, both for uh, young people and adults. And while looking to register an adult team for a tournament this summer, I noticed that every one of the 60 tournaments across the country, every player aged five and above, will receive a free FC Schalke what? jersey. I thought we'd read this email out because Andy's on the show. Uh, so a club having a disastrous season and in complete turmoil apparently has such a surplus of jerseys no one will buy that they have to offload them to unknowing Americans. How <laughs> cynical. This is amazing. It seems like it would be more respectful if they offered a discount on the registration fee if you agreed to accept a jersey. Oh uh, so I just found this interesting and curious about how the arrangement came to be. Presumably they're not all going to be wearing that. if that's true. They can't all be wearing them for the tournament because they'll be dressed the same. <laughs> yeah, it would be mad. Know it's well, look, I, I think it's a, well, a big leap to suggest this is the case. And look, if there's a popular 
fashion, online fashion retailer that is currently selling and for the last six months has been selling Schalke jerseys and training kit. And they're still available in like medium and large. You know, yeah. I'm sure that's entirely coincidental. <laughs> My question was merely going to be to you, Andy. Have the good people of the United States not suffered enough? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I can't even picture what the Schalke jersey looks like. Well, blue. It's royal blue. Yeah. Right. Um, but the, the away one, which is black with this sort of like snowflake flecks at the bottom, it's really nice. Yeah. yeah. I, they do nice shirts, Schalke. Yeah. I criticise them for a lot of things that have happened on and off the pitch, but. In many not ways, the, not for the shirts. In, in many view. ways, is it possible to suggest that perhaps that's a really good thing, part of their brand, because it's not them doing it. It's very much a sportswear manufacturer designing it on their behalf. Because if they did it, it would be shit. <laughs> well, I think Sheffield Wednesday approved that, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can't be as bad as Inter's kit. Oh yeah, there's some there's some shocking some awful ones. Jules. The problem is that I'm so pleased you said that. So for those listening, Jules sent us a WhatsApp yesterday saying, "Look at this new Inter kit. It's horrendous." And I've noticed that a lot of kits are going that way. And I've kept quiet up till now to quote Kevin King because I thought it's just me getting old. <laughs> I'm just I'm just old. But you're much younger like, than me, and you think uh, they're shit. So that's not great. Bad. I'm like I, I like a classic shirt, not yeah. these sort of like it's just a bit too much going on. Yeah, and Jules, the amount of times I'll think a kit or something is terrible, or and someone in the office will come, a young person who works will come in wearing <laughs> it, and I'm like, oh my god, it's what it's what people wear these days. So I've kept quiet, but I agree with you. I, I think the main issue I have with it is its training kit. It, it's, it's training kit kind of level. It's not mm. proper first team kit that, kind of level. It. That's the way they're going now. A lot of the kits you're seeing coming out, being rolled out, particularly by Puma, I think, they do look like training kits. I, th- I think Chelsea have been guilty of that their with their training home kit the last horrible. couple of years. Their training kit's not nice. Right, it's there you Chelsea's. go. Anyway, anyway. Um, right, show... No, I'm thinking of Spurs. I'm thinking of the Spurs training kit. That's not very nice. Mm. Chelsea was right. Anyway, show at footballramble.com. Get your emails in to us. Tweet us as well, at footballramble. Um, right, let's talk about the Champions League final. Porto set to host it. Um, so it's going to be over in Portugal. At the time of recording this, nothing has been confirmed. I'm sure that by the time you listen to this, it probably has been confirmed. But Andy, this looks like it's going to happen over in Portugal now. It seems a little bit silly that it couldn't happen at Wembley, seeing as both teams are from England. But what do you think about this idea? Do you think it's it's the right thing? Well... Uh, from what we've seen from sporting celebrations from a couple of nights ago, it'll be a laugh. Yeah, absolutely. But look, I, I agree. I think common sense would have said Wembley. I think it's something that's hosted Champions League finals before. I think it would make it much easier on fans. And UEFA have been clear, as well as they've been clear with the Euros, that they want fans in. I mean, if you look at the flights to Porto, without it even being confirmed, They've absolutely They're shot up, them this, up they? this week. Now, yeah. obviously, part of it is the fact that Portugal is in the green zone. Well, if any of our our, our listeners um, have children, they will maybe know, having had a sneaky peek Imagine at Imagine if half-term. none of them had children. Imagine if every single person that's in this show, none of them had children. <laughs> It'd be terrible for our long-term term future. It would. It would. <laughs> it, it, it would. I was, I was raised, like, getting getting driven to school with Kate and Jules and... Swearing. Uh, swearing. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think if you look at that, if you've had a sneaky peek at going away at half term, like going to Lisbon, like a week and a half ago, five, or when it was first announced, like 550 quid. Right. It's like 10 times what it normally is. Yeah. So like, and that's before you get to the bit, like, you know, might things change? You know, might you have to come back and quarantine? If things change, I mean, because we all know people who've like gone on a short holiday and like been... while you're over there, it changes yeah, yeah, overnight. Ex- yeah. Exactly. So, 
it's it's really not ideal for the for, for the fans. That's that's the issue I have with it. And clearly, it seems to come down to um, admission of sponsors and waiving of, of quarantine rules for them. Yeah, there was talk, wasn't there, that UEFA VIPs Britain refused to waive their. Um their um, quarantine and that kind of stuff and that kind of informed it but who knows I mean it's all it's so Byzantine this whole kind of you know football authorities doing this that and the other you don't you just don't know do you it would be great I think I mean you can't I understand you can't fall into a trap of saying every year oh um you know, it's two Spanish teams this year, so let's just have it in Madrid no, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I, do this, know, I do get what you mean. This yeah. season of all seasons, you could probably afford to say, "Look, mm. it can't happen here for this reason." It's not normal circumstances, exactly. So, yeah. so I don't know. Look, it's a bit of a strange one, but I'm, I, well, we expect it to be announced and confirmed later today, don't we? That it's going yeah. to be in Porto. So. Yeah, there and because go. of the fans, I think as Andy points out as well, that's the main thing is being able to have fans, and thankfully we're going to see fans in the last two Premier League games of the season now, which mm. is just going to be amazing. I'm actually so excited because I'm going to Brighton. Not as right. a fan, I'm going to work, yeah. but to be able to go to the Amex, even though we're playing against Man City, we'll probably get battered. Yeah, just to be able to see the stadium with fans again, it's going to be yeah. the most amazing thing. Like, have you really missed the old breach, you wanker? <laughs> <laughs> Off camera when you're trying to do your job. No, you've not been to the Amex this season, have you? <laughs> well, if I did, I'll be saying that. <laughs> but I think having fans um, at the Champions League final makes such a difference. So if it is in Portugal, and this is what ends up. Being the case, let's hope there are some fans there and that hopefully there isn't any quarantine for anyone on the way back. Um, Back over in England, though, we're doing things the proper British way, aren't we? We love a good queue. We love a good queuing system. <laughs> we're all very polite. And the Plymouth Herald reported earlier this week that people who had booked in for their COVID vaccinations at Home Park, we know that there's been a lot of football stadiums that have been home to vaccination centres, which has been a, a really great use of the stadiums. Um, apparently, a bunch of people who were queuing for their COVID vaccinations accidentally queued for Plymouth Argyle season tickets <laughs> instead. And obviously it's being British. Story. Yeah. When they get to the front, they'll be far too polite not yeah. to buy one. <laughs> yeah. No, and also it's far too awkward to even ask what they're queuing for. This yeah. must be it. Get to the front. How much? I didn't realise we had to pay for this. No, <laughs> it's five hundred quid. What? <laughs> I, just, I love the idea of just like all these people who are not even football fans just sort of turning up and just be just standing there. Little yeah. old Doris is over there. Can You've I, got can John, I, who's not interested in football <laughs> at all. Oh, I like get get to the front. Get to the front of the queue and going. Are there any side effects to this? <laughs> yeah, like general ennui. Um, you'll probably get frustrated every couple of weeks. Um, it'll take up a lot of your time. Um, you'll wonder why you're doing it in the first place yeah. and just being confusing everywhere. Yeah, like, does, a... like, does this hurt? Yes, it yeah, does. Well, it does hurt being in League One. On the arm, everywhere. <laughs> a few clubs, though, where they've um, had their stadium being a, a vaccination centre, they've had to point out on their websites that, you know, you you actually have to have an appointment. You can't just come because you're a season ticket holder <laughs> and, and, and get an injection. Oh, that's interesting, actually. People yeah. think it comes as part of the package. Although yeah, that doesn't was that exactly. I've, I've, nothing. I've been, I've been a season ticket holder yeah. for 28 Listen, years. Listen, <laughs> may not on the phone. You don't even get your fucking cup games. You're not getting a vaccination as well. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, though, that, that they were doing that for some uh, Zenit fans, though. They were offering f their fans vaccines at home games earlier this year as part of their ticket. Great stuff. Yeah, oh, that's good pretty, idea. That's pretty that's good, amazing. isn't it? Yeah, good idea. I love that. Anyway. I love a bit of that. I've not had my vaccine yet. Have you two? Yeah, I had mine on Sunday. Yeah. First dose, Sunday. 
How was it? Uh, yeah, you, fine. You're felt, surprisingly all right. I thought felt you, a bit fluey for a few did days. You? Yeah, but I'm 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 physically very strong. Four days in, actually. And you always look pale. As yeah, well. exactly. <laughs> I always look like shit, so <laughs> no one would ever like notice. No difference. When are you having yours? I don't know. I'm, it's the one time where being young and healthy actually goes against you, isn't They're it? They're doing over 40s now, aren't they? Oh, piss <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot. <laughs> He's a twiny. Uh, right, let's talk about Stevie G. This is a nice little story. Um, so obviously being the Rangers manager and having an incredibly uh, good season. Uh, Stephen Gerrard was named the Scottish Writers Manager of the Year yesterday and he revealed that he actually owes none other than former Manchester United manager and legend Sir Alex Ferguson some thanks. He um, said that since he's retired, he said that Fergie's actually given up time for secret chats on the phone to bounce a few things off him. He's even agreed to have a coffee at some point as well, which is that's just really lovely, isn't it? Yeah, I'd really love to have listened into that or been a fly on the wall in that mm, conversation. But I realised after a while that it would be Ferguson doing quite a lot of interesting chatting and Gerald going, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. Don't he say says that things every like time. this about Stephen Gerrard. You know how much I love him. I do love him as well, but he always says, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, all the time. So if we worked out if it's secret so it doesn't annoy Manchester United fans well, or, or, or whether yeah. he's slightly exaggerating it because if he's agreed to have a coffee at some point coffee's usually your starting point isn't it? Oh, I'd like to hear about your, more about your dating technique <laughs> please carry on mate please carry on very much from the 20th century yeah. <laughs> yeah. very was, European as well very <laughs> on European brand. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, was, um, I was working with Jamie Carragher last week on uh, the Europa League coverage and um, he actually said that um, when he retired, Sir Alex Ferguson actually sent him a letter, which I was really surprised about. And I'd never heard Jamie Carragher talk about that before publicly. And um, yeah, he said that he, when he retired, Fergie wrote him a letter just saying what wonderful player he thought he was and just classy thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, yeah. I, I don't think, I think if anyone was to have any problem with this, they'd be completely misguided because Ferguson, you know, obviously he's going to be Man United through and through, um, but he's got no skin in the game. Obviously he used to play for Rangers and, and, um, I imagine he admired Gerard from afar from, mm. for a long time, despite what he may have said during during, during his management career, <laughs> because obviously they're playing, they're operating at rival clubs. I think it's a really touching story, and it's really nice to see that Agreed. football over and above kind of interclub rivalry is is what wins out. I love it. Yeah, on that same show, I was actually working with Peter Schmeichel was on it as well. And uh, he said that him and Fergie still chat all the time. And he said whenever Man United play, he gets a little text from Fergie. I just, nice. I love that idea of Fergie sat on WhatsApp talking to Schmeichel. I love Fergie texting. Yeah, me he's too. getting on a bit now, you know. Yeah, cute, isn't it? There you go. Um, and speaking of Manchester United, of course, it is that big game tonight between them and Liverpool. Could have a huge say in whether Liverpool make the top four, if that's even still possible. Um, but of course, after Chelsea slipping up last night, Looks even more possible. Um, Aston Villa against Everton also to come tonight. Um, and uh, the guys tomorrow will be talking a lot more about those games. So we'll save it for them because, Luke, it's now time for Play Your Buzz Right. It is. Thanks, Jules, for giving me under three seconds to find the button <laughs> Sorry. for Play Your Buzz Right. But it's okay because I found it. You're a pro. It. Barton might have gone, and Chavino did. Why Barton? Well, because he grabbed him by the throat. <laughs> well, I just thought that, uh, firstly, the guy's dived. <laughs> <laughs> he can't get a job for love and the money now, but he lives on in this show, and rightly so. Um, I'd love to do a ramble meets with Paz and start that. Start with that. Uh, We're going to call it Play Your Paz, right? Start with that. That'd be great. Um, right, it's Play Your Paz, right? People who don't know about the game, I'll just explain to you very, very quickly. It's a general higher or lower game. Um, and uh, what I need the guys to do is work together to beat the record amount of correct answers. We've got this. Andy. Currently held by this. Andy Brussel on his own, mm. which is seven correct answers. If you get all ten, 
Um, I'm led to believe the production team will give you an amazing prize. I mean, it um, is an extraordinary conflict of interest, isn't it? As what? we've discussed before, me protecting my record. Yeah, I know. But you should want to embrace the spirit of collaboration, my friend. Yeah, I should. And Jules is fierce. I should. Jules is terrifyingly competitive. <laughs> like, anyone who, who hasn't heard it, go back and listen to the episode a few weeks ago where she was essentially browbeating Vic. <laughs> Vic was, like, sunk into his chair. He was about three foot tall by the end of it. <laughs> you know, uh, people only heard the half of that. Um, uh, so anyway, you got to beat seven. There's ten to go. Okay. Um, uh, do you want to pick a number between one and five to start with? Four. Number four? Number four, I'm happy with that. Okay. Yeah, you respect Andy a lot more than you respect Vish. I can blame him if he picks a shit <laughs> There we one. go. There we go. Four <laughs> is um, yellow cards. Oh, no. Players and the amount of yellow cards they've received. Yeah, okay. okay since Ever. The, yeah, since the start of the Premier League. So um, we start off with Alan Pardew, mm-hmm. who at the time of recording has picked up zero yellow cards in the <laughs> Premier League. And your first um, player, higher or lower than zero, is Mr. Mark Noble. There's no holding music, is there? I was waiting for <laughs> um, <laughs> I was waiting for the nice little lift music. Higher. That's correct. You got your one. You get your one for free, really. Thank um, you. Don't embarrass anyone. Mark Noble has, in fact, picked up. Do you want to guess how many yellow cards Mark Noble's picked up? Quite a few, I reckon. I'm going to say 56. Yeah, the I was answer going is, in the 50s. The answer is 82. Ooh. 82 yellow cards. Been in the Premier League a long time, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Um, so 82 is your, is your number. The next player... Is and those older listeners among us will will um will remember him another combative midfield player, Mr. Muzzy. Is it mm. might be before your time, Jules? Yeah, that is a bit before my time. Uh, Muzzy, is it higher or lower than eighty-two yellow cards? Less, lower. Let's lower? go with Andy. That's correct. You got two. Great. You go. You're up. You're up and running. How many you got? He got uh, forty-one. Exactly half the amount. That, Ryan. Um, okay. That Mark Noble got. Okay. I always feel a bit like Chris Tarrant here. I want you to go final answer, you know. <laughs> and I want that, that button where it goes ding, 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 like that. So, 41. Do we can get I, confetti if we get 10? You won't get 10. Oh. Can I call Jim Campbell if I'm stuck? <laughs> yeah, phone a friend. <laughs> call Pete. Uh, Jim, Google it. Pete, Pete's legendary performance on Luke's game on Friday where he sat there <laughs> Thinking about his, his number for about 30 seconds. And then went, he forgot the player. Yeah, who's the player again? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Muzzy is at 41. You've got two. The next player is uh, Harry Kane. Higher or lower than 41 yellow cards? Harry Kane. I think lower. I'd say lower. But... I mean, he gets away with a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, let's go lower. It's also correct. Want to have a guess? 28. 20. Oh, it's 27. Ooh. 27, very good. So you've got three. Harry Kane, 27 yellow cards. The next player for you, you're getting closer now, Kyle Walker. Oh, I reckon he's got more. Yeah, yeah, has to be. Yeah. You reckon? Yeah. Higher. It's easy so far, isn't it? Four. Cool. Well done. Four up. Next player. Oh, how many? Uh, 46 he got. Ooh. I'm always going to tell you. Don't worry. I know you're <laughs> excited, but I'm always going to tell you. 46 for Kyle Walker. Player number five is another defender. Carl Walker's kind of a defender, isn't he? Yeah. Sort of is, yeah. but he also isn't. Well, he just covers everything because he's uh, so quick. Yeah. A man who is very much a defender, the most defendering of all defenders, <laughs> you would say. Richard Dunn. Ah. Uh, yeah. Higher. Higher. You reckon? Yeah. Yes. That's your five up. Yes. Richard Dunn's got 74 yeah. yep. Premier League yellow cards. Okay, so Noble's still on top. Um, I would have, yeah. Richard Dunn probably still picks up a good yellow card every day in his, <laughs> in his normal life. Five side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Right, so no that's question. five. Next player, higher or lower than 74, Joey Barton. 
Oh, I mean, have you ever worked with although Joe? this is probably a trick question, isn't it? Have you ever worked with Joey Barton, Jules? I haven't, no. Right. You, Andy? Yeah, oh, no, yeah. I have. He did oh, yeah. score once. Okay. It was quite nice, actually. Okay. No yellow cards on that show. You're not an Academy player, that's probably why. <laughs> um, higher or lower than 74 for Joey Barton? He was in the Premier League for quite a long time. He was known for a tackle or two. But is it a bluff? Is it a, dub- is it a trick yeah, question? Yeah, I feel like this is a trick question. It How c- many was the one could... before 74? Yeah, it could be. I mean, you know what? The, the, the way what do you think? The way I'm looking at it mm. is if we say higher and it turns out to be lower and we've been a bit fooled, I can accept that. If we go for lower and there will be people at home going, it's fucking Joey Barton. <laughs> I can't live with that. So I think Wait, we should go for higher. Do you, how many seasons do you reckon you did in the Premier League? About 10. 10 seasons. What, what do you reckon the average is? 10 bookings a season? Yeah, I reckon. Ten oh, a season, that's a lot. Ten a season is a lot, but that's the Joey Barton average, I reckon. I mean, are we, are we counting red cards towards the total, or is no, it just... No, just, just yellow cards. Just, just yellows. yellows. And I reckon he had a lot of straight reds. Higher lower than 74. I, I actually think lower, but I'm nervous now. So you reckon ten seasons, 10, 80. Do you reckon, you reckon he's got more than Mark Noble? Well, no, we're talking about whether he's got more than Richard Dunn. I know, but I'm feeling like... I reckon he's got ballpark with Mark Noble. What do you think, guys? Mark, Mark Noble's simply better behaved. <laughs> that is true. It's a nice way of putting it. Mark Noble means well. I think we're split on this. And think of, think of as, as well, you've got to bear in mind that Joey Barton played for some crap teams, which makes you make more fouls. Makes you make more fouls, yeah. I love true. Andy becomes like a real dad about this. Well, Mark Noble is simply better behaved. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon? Hard or low? Give me an answer. I feel like it's a trick question. I know what Luke Moore's brain works like. But I don't know. What do you reckon, Andy? Higher. Okay, let's go Van de Brassel. He's the king of the game. Higher. Higher. 78. 78. I'm so glad I listened well to you. Well done. You got I six. I'm so glad I listened to you, Andy. Okay. Last, last time I played this with Vish, I actually decided on one where we were split, so I'm glad I went with Andy. All right. Because I'm did, not always right. It's the correct answer, so you you're know, still in the game. I almost did, because it's play your parts right, a, a Bruce Forsyth like sort of fist to yeah. head <laughs> nice to celebrate that good game good game right you've got six next up higher or lower than 78 it gets tough now this is a seven to equal the record Sesc Fabregas Sesc Fabregas higher or lower than 78 lower lower I think I, I think it's close I think it's close but I think it's yeah. lower sure why would he have got that many well, Fabregas is quite a combative player. You know, he used to get stuck, he used to get right stuck in, particularly when he was young. The man threw a pe- slice of pizza at Sir Alex Ferguson. <laughs> Your be- hero. Bear in mind that he's... Didn't get booked um, for that, though, I don't think. Yeah, oh, that's, that's a point. Yeah, because I, th- I think you've got to take out the Barcelona bit in the middle, which I think puts him slightly under. Because, you know, we think of him, Arsenal, Chelsea, yeah. that's over a decade continuously yeah, yeah. in the Premier League. It's not continuous. No. Let's go. You reckon lower, then? Yeah, and all all the tactical instruction Wenger ever gave him, he said, is just Seth, just bomb forward. Yeah, let's go. Which he would have been ridiculed for if he was Harry Redknapp. But let's go lower. Lower. You've got seven. Yes. Seventy-one. Yes, Andy. Seventy-one. Beat your record. Number eight coming up. This is it. Higher or lower than seventy-one. Paul Skulls. Paul Skulls. Higher or lower than seventy-one. Oh. I mean, he's a dreadful tackler, but, (laughs) but he is mainly an attacking player. What do you think, Jules? My instinct was higher, but actually now now I think about it, probably, what was the number? 71? Yeah, higher or lower than 71 for Paul Scholes. What? You're going to have to push her. You're going to have to push her. 
Lower. Lower. Okay. No. Oh, no! You lose! It's a joke. Clearly they need help. <laughs> 97. Paul Scott has got a colossal a 97. So you equaled the record with seven. Very good. It's I'm, not easy. This. I'm very happy with that. That's all right. Isn't um, it? Yeah. And Andy yeah. also wins because he's not beaten his record. So it's a win-win. So he now he now joint owns the record twice. Yeah. Which is pretty full on. And I'm just happy to be up there. Well, so. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure you're the most competitive of all the people that play. Apart from possibly Marcus, who never really, really seems to play. Oh, yeah, yeah. Marcus is really competitive. But you're up there as well. So uh, good for I you. am very competitive with absolutely everything. Well love done. Love it. Yes. Well another good game. Uh, love it. Well, thanks for listening. Listening, guys, uh, Luke, you're going to be back tomorrow. You're going to be here with Marcus and Vish, uh, and also with Vish as well. You can tell him that um, I prefer Andy as a partner. That you spoke him up. Yeah, I will do. No worries. Good stuff. Uh, all right, thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you soon. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.